0: miss that. It's going to be great. All right, so as we finish in Ephesians, go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. All right. The title today of our last message in Ephesians is that prayer is warfare. Prayer is warfare. And we've been talking a lot about the armor of God as we close out our series in Ephesians for these last six weeks. We've gone over the six particular pieces of armor that the Bible talks about to make us spiritually ready to fight these battles. And then it closes all of this section on the armor of God with a little discussion on prayer. What I want you to see about this is that prayer is what makes the whole armor work. So think about it like the central piece, I had to look this up, of the Iron Man suit, okay? For those of you who really know, you already know, but I had no idea. It's called the Ark Reactor, okay? Apparently, you know, it's super powered with like three times nuclear power. I don't know, okay, some, some stuff, right? But there's that piece, you have the Iron Man suit, which actually isn't that helpful unless you put the piece in the middle that powers the whole suit. So I want you to view prayer like this in the sense where you have the armor of God, you have all these things you can put on, but prayer is what makes them all come to life. Prayer is what gives them power. Prayer is what makes them useful. And here's what happens often to those of us, especially to those of us who are Christians or to those of us who are learning or maybe trying to learn about Christianity and don't understand prayer, is that we do a lot of things except pray. A lot of good things, a lot of hardworking things, a lot of Christian things, and they don't seem to be working for us. And the reason is because we never activated the suit. You just put it on. You know how hot and clunky, you would feel. It just, instead of feeling like a supercharged Christian, you feel like a mascot on a hundred degree day. You're just covered in this suit. It's hot. It's kind of clunky. And you're like all these things, you know, going to church, reading your Bible, you know, just feel like these burdens that you put on your life and you're clunking around in them. The reason for that is because you haven't prayed to make everything come to life. It doesn't work without prayer. That's what I want you to see. This is why Paul's talking about, as he sums up the armor of God, it, it works its best when it's all put together by prayer. And apart from a life of prayer and learning to pray, all of your Christian activity will not have the same power. It won't have the same power. And for many of you, and myself included, you know, prayer sometimes is the hardest part of my Christian walk, It's the hardest part of my devotion to Jesus to really press into, to stay with, to constantly believe, you know, even when it seems like it's not working in the ways that I want it to. And so maybe for some of you that's the truth as well, but I want you to see this morning how important it is, and this is why we continue to commit to it as a church. And maybe this is the answer to some of your struggles as of late, where you feel like you're doing all the right things, but nothing's working. And it might just be because you're missing out on prayer. That might really be the simple solution to all of your activity in life. So I'm gonna go ahead and read Ephesians 6. We're really gonna focus on verses 18 through 20, but we're gonna read through the end of the book to cover the whole thing. Ephesians 6, verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, That words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love, with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a great phrase, with love incorruptible. So prayer is warfare. Prayer is the thing that holds all the other things together. You see this in Ephesians 6. You see it throughout the entire book of Ephesians. And very clearly you see it throughout the entire Bible. This makes sense because if our battle is not against flesh and blood, then our weapons cannot be flesh and blood. When you're walking through this whole text about spiritual realities, it begins to heighten your senses to what's really true, and if the battle is not against flesh and blood, then it will not be won with flesh and blood. It will not be fought with flesh and blood, and as we've talked about for weeks now, some of us are fighting spiritual battles with physical weapons. We're trying to fight in the realm of the spirit with the realm of our flesh and it simply is not capable of handling that. You're trying to fight spiritual battles with schedules and trying to fight spiritual battles with self-help and trying to fight spiritual battles with discipline and all of those things may be helpful in ways but you cannot fight spiritual battles without spiritual weapons and the most spiritual thing you can do is pray. The greatest spiritual weapon To fight spiritual battles is prayer. The most spiritual thing you can do is pray. It is the thing that requires the most faith. It is the thing that engages anything but my flesh and blood. It is the thing that takes me into the realm of something I cannot see. It is the very thing that I need to battle in my spiritual fights. So if that's true, what I want to do with the rest of our time is help us understand how to use this weapon. If prayer is the final piece to the puzzle, so to speak, the final piece of my Iron Man suit of the armor of God, if it's really what I need, ultimately, the thing that puts it all together, well, how how do I use it? And Paul's gonna help us do that now. The rest of this will be super, super practical for your life because that's what the Bible is like. It gives you big theology, then it shows you how to use it. So five different ways how you're gonna use prayer, how you're gonna use this weapon in your life. The first one is this, to pray at all times and in all ways. Paul says here specifically, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Right? Prayer should be a part of your life like eating. You want to do it at all times and in a variety of ways. Okay? You want to eat hamburgers, and then you want to eat pizza, and then you want to eat uh, an acai bowl, all right, and you want to eat a salad. For those of you who want to stay healthy, you want, you want to drink this, you want to do that. and You want you, you to want snack on this, you want to snack on that. Right? It's a variety, all right? You get bored if you don't want the same thing for dinner that you had for lunch. This is why your leftovers sit in the fridge and you throw them away. When you thought you were going to save money and eat the leftovers, you say, I don't want that rice and chicken again. I want something different. All right, this is what prayer is supposed to be like at all times, man. It's something uh, my body would hopefully begin to crave. This is actually the interesting part about prayer. And those of you who maybe have, have done this long enough realize that the more you do it, the more your body starts to crave it, the more your spirit really starts to crave it, the more it becomes something you want to do all the time. But prayer should be like eating. It's something that we do all the time and it's something we do in a variety of ways. You ought to pray in the good times and in the bad times, in times that are sure and in times that are uncertain, in times when you are comfortable and in times when you are uncomfortable. You should pray when you really believe in prayer and you should still pray when you really don't. You should pray when you are full of faith and you should pray when you are full of doubt. You should pray when you do not know what to pray for and you should pray when you know exactly what to pray for. You should pray at all times. This is what Paul is emphasizing this morning. And here's, gives you some perspective on suffering. Oftentimes, suffering, God uses suffering to take us from praying sometimes to all the time. Most of us in our prayer life, if we were honest, would say the best we get is to pray sometimes. I feel good if I, if I pray at all, if I pray sometimes. And oftentimes then the Lord uses suffering to remind us of our need, and to move us from sometimes prayer to all-the-time prayer. You know this by experience, for those of you who have been walking with Jesus, to say, unfortunately, when times are good, and we don't feel as dependent on the Lord on a day-to-day basis, we pray less. And hopefully, over time, we learn to pray when things are good, praying things of thankfulness, praying all sorts of things we can pray. But the Bible and God and his good love for us, because being close to God and walking with Jesus is the greatest thing for our life, utilizes suffering to move us from a people who pray sometimes to a people who pray all the time. And so maybe that's some perspective on what might be going on in your life, and at least one of the things that God could possibly be doing out of the many that he might be doing in your life now. Maybe the Lord is trying to create a sense of dependence and desperation in your life, that you would move from praying sometimes to praying all the time. It also says we should pray with all prayer and supplication, basically, meaning a variety of ways, a variety of kinds of prayer. So not only should you pray all the time, but you should pray with all kinds of prayer. You should pray out loud, and you should pray in quiet in your mind. You should pray by yourself, in secret, in your closet, you know, as the Bible says, you should pray with a group of people at church or in a lighthouse. You should pray with all kinds of requests. You should bring big requests to God and small requests to God, everyday things that matter a little bit and life-changing things that matter a lot. Whatever it is, in whatever way, by yourself or with someone else, you should find a variety of ways to pray. Pray. Now, this is why this is important. This is something I want you to write down because this is going to explain a lot about your prayer life. Our prayer lives get boring if they lack variety, and they lose power when they lack consistency. Why is praying so hard? Because you're doing it the same way over and over again. Why don't you try praying out loud? Why don't you try going for a walk? Why don't you try anything? Why don't you try getting some people together? Why don't you try being alone, being distracted? Why don't you try putting your phone away? Praying with all kinds of variety? Sometimes our prayer lives get boring because they lack variety. Once again, if our praying should be like eating, then if you are eating the same thing over and over again, though it may be good for you and though it may be enjoyable, eventually you'll get bored with it. We need to learn to pray in a variety of ways. And when you do this, practically, it allows your prayer life to be more engaging. It allows your prayer life to have a little spice to it and allows you to grow in prayer so that our prayer lives get boring if they lack variety and they lose power if they lack consistency, which is why we should pray at all times. Just like anything, it builds on itself. It's like a snowball effect. The more I pray, the more I want to pray. The more I pray, the more I get in right relationship with God on a practical level on a day-to-day basis. Not because I've earned it right, but because now I'm living in the gospel, what Jesus has done for me. I'm connecting to who he is. The more I pray, the more effective my prayers get. This is true. I hope you believe this and learn this, that you can pray better and that your prayers can have more power. Like, this isn't just like, well, God's going to answer it or not. No, the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't talk about it that way. The Bible talks about learning to pray, growing in prayer, and it gives a bunch of different reasons as to why your prayers would be effective or not effective. So you can legitimately leave from here, and just like you could work out and get stronger and have more power to do things, you can pray, get better at prayer, and your prayers would have more effect in the world. That gets me excited. So instead of thinking, this is what happens. You say, Christians hear a sermon on prayer. Everybody knows we don't pray enough. You feel bad that you don't pray enough. You make a resolution to pray more. It lasts three days, and then you wait till the next sermon six months later, and you go through this thing all over again. Say, so I don't pray enough. I, don't know. I know I should pray more. But instead of sitting there feeling bad that you don't pray enough, I want to put a carrot in front of you to say, don't worry about that, but just look forward and ahead to the fact that there's a great opportunity before you that your life can have more power, your prayer life could be more effective for your children, for your neighbors, for your friends, for your own soul, that you can grow in supernatural power if you choose to pray. You can become a person of great spiritual authority if you choose to pray. You know the kind of people you be around and you just say, that person's different. And when they pray for me, I feel the Holy Spirit. You know, you're like, this prayer's working right now. This is amazing. You know, that's the kind of person you can become. You can be that kind of person. Once again, remember, there are no special Christians or Navy SEAL Christians. We all have the same access to the same resources. You can be somebody with great spiritual authority. You don't have to become a pastor or go to seminary to do that either. You don't have to wait till you're an old saint to do that either. You can do it now. You can be a young person with great spiritual authority. I want you to put this in front of you as a great opportunity to say, I can get stronger. My life can have more power. I can have more victory over sin. My prayers can be more useful in the kingdom. And I can become a person of great spiritual authority if I will commit to praying at all times and with all kinds of different ways. The next thing is you pray in the spirit. So the first thing is to pray at all times and in all ways. The next thing is to pray in the spirit. Paul says, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. A question for you in light of this is that is your prayer life more ritual or more spiritual? Is your prayer ritual or is your prayer spiritual? Now this isn't to knock a ritual. Rituals can be good. Consistent disciplines that you do when you don't feel like it can be a very good thing. But you know what I mean by ritual in terms of pharisaic. It's formulaic. It's just something that you do. Is your prayer life ritual or is it spiritual? Does it have an obvious supernatural element to it? Are you moving beyond the flesh and into something more? Now you say, what in the world does that actually mean? And that's a good question because sometimes in an effort to be more spiritual, people get crazy. Or they just get more emotional. They just say, I'm crying a lot, so the Holy Spirit must be working in your life. No, maybe you just got some issues you need to resolve, you know. Just because you cried in church doesn't mean the Holy Spirit moved you. You know, that's not, that's not a definite sign. You know, it could be. It certainly could be. So how do I become more spiritual how, without doing it in the wrong way? I want to remind you as well here to be spiritual is not something just that you do, but it's an active awareness of something God does. Romans 8.26 tells us that the Spirit prays for us even when we don't know what to pray. So it's not just something I'm doing to be more spiritual, but it's an act of awareness of what's happening in prayer. That as I pray, I don't always pray for the things I ought to pray. I don't bring up the things I need to bring up. And sometimes I'm just ignorant of the things I need to pray for. But at that very moment, if I simply commit to showing up, the Spirit prays on my behalf. So one of the things that's happening as I decide just to show up to the meeting is that the Holy Spirit begins to engage with the Father. And he begins to respond to my here showing up to pray, to begin to pray the things I ought to pray that I don't pray. And in his grace towards us, he's even doing this when we're not praying, you know. But part of this is to realize that prayer is not just a you to the Father thing, but prayer is also a spirit to the Father thing. And as you see throughout the scriptures, you not only get the Holy Spirit praying for you, but it says that Jesus himself also intercedes on your behalf. This is part of what it means to have prayer being more spiritual, is to understand what's happening and what the Spirit is doing. Another thing for you to write down about this, for you to understand, is that prayer in the Spirit is simply to be mindful of the presence of God. It's not overly ambiguous or ethereal. It's simply to take your mind and to be mindful of the fact that God is present. That God is a being. That you have a relationship with a person That this is not a religious activity, that God is not just an idea. This is not a philosophy or a way of life. God is a person, and I am in relationship with him, and he is present with me by the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. And it's just to be mindful of that, to be cognizant of that. God is here. God is in the room. And then to ask for a greater understanding of who he is. Prayer in the Spirit is to desire intimacy with God. It's to pray, not just to get your prayers answered, but to get closer to God. It's mindful of the fact that God is not a genie in the bottle, but the love of my life. So I don't pray to get what I want in the world. I pray to get what I want, which is God. So it's to pray for that reason. It's to pray with that in mind. And obviously, that's not always on the forefront of our mind, and this can be hard because there's lots of things we need an answer to prayer for. And once again, God loves to hear those things. But just to take a moment to be mindful of the fact that as I pray, the greatest thing that could, I could ever get is closer to Jesus. So have a conscious awareness of this. Hunger for God and pray. I want to also point out here that it is prayer in the spirit, not prayer in your spirit. I've been reading some interesting studies about the fact that younger generations are not interested in religion, but they are interested in prayer. And that if you offered a 20-year-old a chance to come to church or a chance to pray, they would quickly take the chance to pray, but they would hesitate at the chance to come to church. That there is something within us and within the younger generations especially, to be connected to something spiritual. However, I want to make sure we all understand, and especially maybe those of you who are seeking to be spiritual, or those of you who aren't Christians and just trying to seek all these things out. We're so glad that you're here. I want you to understand that for prayer to be prayer, it must be connected to a real God. Prayer is not prayer if it's a form of meditation. Meditation is not prayer. These are not the same two things. And if you're praying in your spirit, that's meditation. If you're praying in the spirit, that's prayer. To, be, to practice mindfulness and to get the results that you want from that requires more than your mind, but a connection to the mind of the spirit. The issue is not that you need to get out of your mind. It's that you need to get in God's mind. And when you practice meditation or mindfulness or have a desire to be spiritual, you don't make progress because you're not connected to something real. The goal is not to get out of your mind, but to get in God's mind. The goal is not to align yourself with the universe, but to align yourself with the king of the universe. And some of you are practicing prayer in your spirit, and you need to begin to practice prayer in the spirit. This is what it means for us to pray in the spirit. Another way you can think about praying in the spirit, and as we always talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in every way, every time we will attach it to the Word of God, praying in the spirit requires staying in the Word. Praying in the spirit requires staying in the Word. You cannot pray in the Spirit if you do not pray with the Word of God. Now, this doesn't mean you have a Bible open in front of you every time, but it does mean that you are a person who consistently stays in the Word and that the majority of your prayer time is attached to Bible reading. Praying in the Spirit requires staying in the Word. The Spirit is the one who guided the the apostles and others to write the Word of God, as Peter teaches us. The Spirit is the one who brings life and illumination help us understand the Word of God. The Word of God is where we understand God's will. It's where God speaks to us. It's where we have an objective place to learn what God says without wondering whether a thought in my head is from God or not. It's a word on a page. And so now, if I want to be connected to the Spirit... And if I want to pray in the Spirit, but if I want to do so in a way that's healthy and in a way that I can be sure is really spiritual and not fake spirituality, I need to stay in the Word of God. You cannot pray in the Spirit if you do not pray with the Word of God. And once again, to those of you who are seeking spiritual experiences, you cannot get a real spiritual experience without it being connected to the reality of God's Word. And once again, just because you feel something when something is happening does not mean that it is a work of the Holy Spirit. But when you begin to connect it to the Word of God, when your emotions come out of a response to the truth that the gospel is presented, that the word of God is working in your heart and in your life. And as you engage and it begins to take you to a different place and you begin to see things that you wouldn't have seen before. And your mind goes beyond what is flesh and blood. And as Second Corinthians 5, nine says, you begin to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us, then teaches us we don't look to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And as you pray in the Spirit, and you do so according to the Word of God, you begin to battle in the Spirit, and you begin to see things in the Spirit, and you begin to understand the mind of God. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) She's ready. She's ready. You need to sit on the front row next week, all right? This is what it means to pray as a spiritual person. And I really believe this is one thing that many of us lack. Is your prayer ritual or is it spiritual? Remember, Jesus taught in John 4 that real worship would not be defined by a location, a ritual, or a rhythm of life. But he taught that it would be defined by these two words, the spirit and the truth. So, if real worship is defined by spirit and truth, then certainly real prayer would also be defined by spirit and truth. All right. I'm going to give you a, a picture of this when I went to the, uh, my missionary trip to the Alabama game. Um, when I was there, uh, we, we were somebody uh, there that we knew in Alabama that my father knew, was very kind and gracious, and he gave us really great seats. They were on the 50 yard line, eighth throw up, and so we were right there. It was awesome. Uh, but the, the one issue with those seats is the people that can afford those seats are no fun. They're no fun. <laughs> Uh, and when you look over, there's the student section when the, when the university gives uh, free tickets to their students. And those people for three straight hours, right, without stop, are singing every song that comes over the thing, are waving pom-poms without stop. I mean, for three straight hours, you're looking over there and you're like, wow, that's, life. that's a bunch of life and energy over there. And then you're sitting at these seats real close and you're saying, why, why is everybody so bored? Well, I want you to have this, this idea is that the same thing is happening in front of us, but we're all responding to it differently. And there's a group of people that see the same thing we see and have enthusiasm, passion, passion, full of spirit and zeal, and there's a group of people who don't. And I want you to have this picture in mind that as we, as we pray, as we engage in church, as we deal with the realities of the gospel, may we all look at the same thing, but may we respond the same way with the kind of energy, passion, zeal, and spirit that would be uh, appropriate to what is happening. And may we never become the kind of people, maybe even because we have a bunch of spiritual experience, that think we could just sit here and watch the game. Prayer in the spirit is energetic prayer. Prayer in the spirit is connected to the reality of what's happening in front of you. Prayer in the spirit is full of passion and zeal. Okay, the next thing is this, and this will be very important for some of you who have almost given up, is that you need to pray when you think there's no point to pray anymore. And I just, know, I just, when I was writing this down, I said, this is exactly, I don't know who or how many of you, but there's some of you who have already given up or you're on the precipice of giving up because what you're praying for is not coming to pass like you prayed. And so you begin to think in your mind, what's the point? And I resonate with that, every Christian in the room does. But the Lord has brought you here to remind you that you need to keep praying even when you think there's no point to pray anymore. Verse 18 says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. It's like the great Jimmy Valvano speech, who's the North Carolina State basketball coach. He said, don't give up, don't ever give up. This is what God is saying to you this morning, is don't give up, don't ever give up. I won't go over all of them, but at least the passages, Luke 18, Luke 11, and James 5 are three amongst many that teach us that perseverance is the key part to powerful prayer. It's those who persevere who get the prayers answered. And you see this over and over and over and over again. Right? When, we were at, when we were at the game this weekend, we got there early. There's this walk of fame where the players come in, they get off a bus, and they walk into the, to the game. And if you get there early enough, you can stand and high-five all the players. So I thought, man, this would be great for the kids. So we got there early. We literally waited in a swarm of people for like an hour and a half. But my kids, you know, they, they're little. So they wandered their way. They, they got to the front. They got to the, the, the gate thing. And while we were waiting, there was an ESPN crew that were walking around getting video, you know. And I know those of you who watch sports, you see sometimes in the highlight reels, the players are walking in, there's a group of people cheering and yelling for them. And as soon as I point this out to my kids, say, hey, those people are getting on TV, then my kids, especially one of them in particular that some of you who know me could probably guess, start... Ne- they never stop badgering these people These people They're just over the gates They're yelling at them Hey, over here Hey, come over here Come over here I got something to say Come over here Come over here Come over here You know And those people are interviewing all they're, 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 they're going way down And my kids are just Hey hey, hey!" hey. You know They're never stop. You know They're like We're getting on TV today And we will not be stopped You know And they're yelling at these guys I'm like Y'all have to be nice at least You know like, Come over here Come over here Come over here and eventually, after a while, they hit other people in the place now. They've, they've, they've got a crowd, and people are yelling, over here, these kids right here. You know, these adults behind them are like, hey, hey, get these kids, these kids. Get them some attention, you know. Make them shut up, please. You know, that's what all they're doing. Get the kids over here, you know. And after, like, I mean, it had to be 15 to 20 minutes of straight badgering this ESPN crew who are walking around with cans of Dr. Pepper trying to get some advertisements done. Uh, they wander over to us, you know, and they give us the Dr. Pepper pepper and they say hey go crazy don't everybody has to go crazy and they ask one of my kids if they have something to say and he's like you do i have something to say you bet i have something to say uh i have been googling where that could be possibly on tv somewhere i haven't found it yet but if you happen to see my kids on some highlight somewhere that would be fun that's what we were looking for but the, the point of that story is obvious and simple is that it's perseverance that got them the interview it's the fact that they didn't give up. And God gives us the same picture in our spiritual lives. He does it over and over again. It's such a consistent teaching in the Bible that it makes us seem to believe that perseverance is the preeminent key and the most powerful tool you can use to get prayers answered. Which means that at the very point you want to give up is the point at which you cannot. Those of you who work out know this, it's the point you wanna give up that you cannot. Otherwise you won't make progress. If you don't go past the point of tension, then you'll never actually make progress. You can't learn to run a marathon if you don't keep running when your body says stop, you better stop right now, you better stop, you know? You'll never get stronger biceps if you stop as soon as that last rep. You say, well, that's it. You know, I'm done. No, you have to go past the point of tension. You have to keep going when you feel like giving up if you want to get results. And the same thing is true for your life spiritually. There's going to be a point of tension where it feels like there's no point. This is not getting answered. Does God hear me anymore? This is pointless. I'm tired of putting in the work. And that should be a trigger for your brain to think I'm getting somewhere. It's time to press in. keep going at the point of giving up is probably when you're getting much closer to the result and if you would just keep praying and you know how I know this is good advice because it's true until you're dead you say I've been praying for 20 years well you're not dead yet are you (laughs) it might happen tomorrow what do I know what do you know So, you see, because of that, there's no point to ever stop praying for it. Just keep asking God until he says, okay, you're done, and you're with him. You don't have to ask no more. Just keep praying. Keep praying. And just know that when it feels like you want to give up, it probably means you're closer than you've ever been. And you should keep going. The next thing is to pray for others. Pray for others. Verse 18 says, make supplication for all the saints. One of our core values is that we're all in this together. I just want to remind you very simply here that prayer is one of the most helpful ways you can serve each other. And this is very important because if you're, you know, watching the world or how they talk about these things, when bad things happen, the world mocks the idea of thoughts and prayers. You know, when you see it, especially in places like uh, the fire pit that is Twitter, you see, or X now, whatever it's called, you, you see when people offer thoughts and prayers, it gets dismissed almost as careless and mean now. It's like you're offering thoughts and prayers, that means nothing. That's a careless way to respond to this. And as the culture begins to mock thoughts and prayers, the church better give in to it more and more and more. We need to be a group of people of thoughts and prayers. Mainly prayers, but thoughts are good too. You can't pray without thoughts, so we'll put them together, you know. But may we become a people of thoughts and prayers more and more. May you be reminded that obviously, while it is absolutely necessary that we serve and love one another with our hands and feet and our money and our time, while we take care of each other in very physical, tangible ways, that is absolutely necessary. May we not forget that the main form of help we can offer another brother or sister in is to pray. Is to pray. And don't let the culture of the world make you dismiss thoughts and prayers. But may you press into them all the more. The final thing as we close here is to pray for the mission more than a solution. Pray for the mission more than a solution. What does that mean? Well, Paul says in verse 19, And also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is profound. Paul is in chains and instead of asking for freedom, he asks for boldness. Just let that sit with you for a second. Paul is actively in chains. He has one letter to write. He has one request to make. And as he closes his time, Instead of asking the church to pray that he would be released from his chains, he asked them to give him boldness so that he would make the most of his chains. Obviously, Paul would love freedom. He wasn't shy in other situations to ask for solutions. Solutions aren't bad, but we see here a priority. We see here that there are levels to this, that his physical freedom... Was valuable, but their spiritual freedom was more valuable. And in Paul's mind, if his temporary freedom was a means by securing their eternal freedom, then he was ready to stay. Not because he didn't want to be released. He's a human just like us, but because his focus was on somewhere else. His focus was on the gospel. And he asked them to pray for the mission more than a solution. And I want to give you a couple questions to consider for your life now with prayer in light of this. Because this is so important for us to learn to pray for our lives, but to have the appropriate priorities in place. What if, instead of asking for a way out, we started asking for a way forward for the gospel? What if, Instead of asking for a way out, we started asking for a way forward for the gospel. Not that you don't include sometimes, I would really love for this to be over, but that you prioritize to say, okay, Lord, instead of me asking constantly all the time that this would be over and that I could get out, instead of asking for a way out, I'm gonna start asking for a way forward. How can the gospel be advanced in this situation, not out of this situation? What is the will of God for my life in this situation, not out of this situation? What is the mission that I can put my focus on instead of the solution that I seek for myself? What if instead of asking for a way out, we started asking for a way forward for the gospel? The second question is this. What if instead of asking for what we can have out of it, We ask for what can make us useful in it. In the midst of your suffering and pain or difficulty, what if, instead of asking for what you can have out of it, the things you would like when it's done or over, the situation of life that would be different when when you're out of it, instead of asking for out of it all the time, not that you don't ask for out of it, but instead of prioritizing asking out of it, what if you started asking for what you need to be useful in it? And your prayer became. Make me the most useful version of myself now. Give me boldness now. Give me zeal now. Give me spiritual sight now. Give me holiness here and now. Help me to be mindful of others now. Give me evangelistic zeal now. Give me eyes to see what you're doing right now. Instead of asking for what we want out of it, why don't you begin to ask what can make you useful in it? And may your prayer life be connected to the gospel
1: because solutions
0: to our life problems are great and God loves to give them, but the solution to our soul problem is much better. And therefore the gospel, The good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The good news that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will live forever with him. The good news that we can never earn our salvation, but God has done it for us. The good news that we are great sinners, but Jesus is a great savior. The good news of the gospel is way better and more useful for our life and most importantly for those who don't have it yet. So how can you consider how the good news of the gospel might be good news for others in the midst of the bad news of your life. So when you get bad news, take a minute to consider how the good news of the gospel might turn this bad news for you into good news for others. And begin to pray for the mission more than the solution and in God's wonderful grace towards you. Sometimes He'll give you both. But you know for sure that you'll get the first. One. Now, I want us to pray. I want you to go ahead and close your eyes now. And DDA is going to sing as the band comes up. And as we talked about earlier, to pray in the Spirit is to be mindful of the presence of God. And so I asked Him just to play something more quiet for this moment. <clears throat> and I want you now to be mindful of the presence of God. I want you to be mindful of the fact that he's here. Those of you who don't know Jesus, he loves you and he's here. And if you believe and trust in him, you can be saved. You can talk to God in your seat. We're gonna have a prayer team down front, but we're gonna respond to God in the spirit and according to the word. So pray and sing in your seat. Pray with somebody up front. But now let's respond to God. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your love for us. I pray, Lord, that those who are walking through bad news, that you would help them to see your perspective and that you would give them the grace to turn it into good news for others in light of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to pray in the spirit, that our prayer lives would come to life today pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, to make progress, to live as people with great spiritual authority, and most importantly, to live as people close to you. May our hearts long for you, and may our love for you grow in this moment. We love you so much, and we thank you for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.